Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Intersecting Media presents... We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. The next thing in late night talk. Here we go. While you're working, eating, and playing, he's watching. It'll be like O-10. Keeping you informed. Thank you. Jason Page. Demented and sad, but social. Covering all the day's news from a studio somewhere in Southeast Asia. Worldwide! And talking about it with you. Blah, blah, blah. You're up late with Jason Page. Hoo-ah! Or up early. Good morning. But just stay up. It is time. Here's Jason. Thank you very much, Chad Erickson. Our wonderful imaging voice here at Intersecting Media. And as he said, I am Jason. We've got a busy 60 minutes ahead up late on this Thursday slash Friday. How is it already Friday? Where did the week go? It's crazy. I've been in Singapore for almost three months, which is sometimes hard for me to fathom because the time just flies. Goes by too fast. It really does. I might be returning to the U.S. for a a brief period. I'll talk more about that in the days ahead keep you guys abreast as to what's going on with that uh in this program i'm gonna do about half and half today about 30 minutes of the politics and then 30 minutes of some sports myers leonard learned his fate from the nba on thursday and it's probably what you would expect but we'll talk about it a little bit and get into whether or not it could be the end of his career Is this something he can recover from? Um, Jake Paul and Logan Paul, the YouTube guys, they've become big-time boxers, so to speak, or in their own minds. Well, Dana White has weighed in on Jake Paul's upcoming fight, and Jake Paul has responded in kind. What am I talking about? We will get into it coming up uh, a little later on in the broadcast. But I I put out a tweet tonight, and I put out some stuff on Facebook, and I put some things out on uh, LinkedIn and on my social media platforms, that the first 20 minutes of the show tonight 
was must-see video. And I really feel that way. I you, you can go and look through all my tweets that I say promoting my stuff, promoting the show, all that. You'll very rarely hear me hype up anything that I'm doing in a big way. We tell you what's coming up on the show, and that's it. But I really felt like tonight and this show, the first 20 minutes really is must-see. If you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, if you're an Independent, if you're somebody that actually still values information. And that's why we're going to do what we're doing here in the first 20 minutes of the show. Now, as a lot of you know, Thursday night, Joe Biden gave his first primetime address to the nation, talking about the coronavirus, vaccine, distribution, He briefly touted the coronavirus stimulus package that came out that he signed into law on Thursday and that many of you will start seeing the benefits from back in the United States almost immediately. This is one of the biggest, the term used is anti-poverty bills, uh, anti-poverty pieces of legislation ever passed, ever signed into law. And... That's what it is. I mean, the vast number of Americans in a day and age where you can't get Americans to agree on anything, the vast majority of Americans agree this is a good bill, that they're happy with it, that they wanted it, and still Republicans are fighting up against it. But when you can't fight up against something any longer, when the numbers staring you in the face for the GOP and their allies in conservative media, when the when the numbers are so far against you, well, you resort to attacks and falsehoods and hyperbole in describing the cognitive state of Joe Biden. I'll get to that in a moment. But first, Joe Biden, in his own words, talking about the bill that you are going to benefit from. In my first full day in office... I outlined for you a comprehensive strategy to beat this pandemic. We've spent every day since attempting to carry it out. Two months ago, the country, this country, didn't have nearly enough vaccine supply to vaccinate all or ever near all of the American public. But soon we will. We've been working with vaccine manufacturers, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, to manufacture and purchase hundreds of millions of doses of these three safe, effective vaccines. And now, at the direction and with the assistance of my administration, Johnson & Johnson is working together with a competitor, Merck, to speed up and increase the capacity to manufacture new Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is one shot. In fact, just yesterday, I announced, and I met with the CEOs of both companies, I announced our plan to buy an additional 100 million doses of Johnson & Johnson vaccines. These two companies, competitors, have come together for the good of the nation, and they should be applauded for it. It's truly a national effort, just like we saw during World War II. Now, because all the work we've done We'll have enough vaccine supply for all adults in America by the end of May. That's months ahead of schedule. 
and we're mobilizing thousands of vaccinators to put the vaccine in one's arm, calling active duty military, FEMA, retired doctors and nurses, administrators, and those to administer the shots. And we've been creating more places to get the shots. We've made it possible for you to get a vaccine in nearly one, any one of 10,000 pharmacies across the country, just like you get your flu shot. We're also working with governors and mayors in red states and blue states to set up and support nearly 600 federally supported vaccination centers that administers hundreds of thousands of shots per day. You can drive up to a stadium or a large parking lot, get your shot, never leave your car, and drive home in less than an hour. We've been sending vaccines to hundreds of community health centers all across America, located in underserved areas. And we've been deploying, and we will deploy more, mobile vehicles and pop-up clinics to meet you where you live so those who are least able to get the vaccine are able to get it. We continue to work on making at-home testing available. And we've been focused on serving people in the hardest-hit communities of this pandemic, Black, Latino, Native American, and rural communities. So what does all this add up to? When I took office 50 days ago, only 8% of the Americans, after months, only 8% of those over the age of 65 had gotten their first vaccination. Today, that number is 65 percent. Just 14 percent of Americans over the age of 75, 50, 50 days ago, had gotten their first shot. Today, that number is well over 70 percent. With new guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, that came out on Monday, it means simply this. Millions and millions of grandparents who went months without being able to hug their grandkids, can now do so. And the more people are fully vaccinated, the CD will continue to provide additional guidance on what you can do in the workplace, places of worship with your friends, as well as travel. When I came into office, you may recall, I set a goal that many of you said was that kind of way over the top. I said I intended to get 100 million shots in people's arms in my first 100 days in office. Tonight, I can say we're not only going to meet that goal, we're going to beat that goal. Because we've actually on track to reach this goal of 100 million shots in arms on my 60th day in office. No other country in the world has done this. None. Fact. Fact, 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 fact. That's it. Plain and simple. Joe Biden gave you nothing but facts. Now, I will say one thing. The idea that they were doing something special with a million vaccinations a day was silly. At a million vaccinations a day, you would have been talking about the middle of 2022 before everybody was vaccinated. So the idea that that was so ambitious, it's a little bit over the top. Aside from that, everything he said is true. I mean, everything he said was true to begin with, but he was a little hyperbolic in the idea that a million vaccinations a day, a hundred million in the first hundred days. I think a hundred million in the first 60 days is pretty good, though. 
which is what he says you're going to basically be at. So in the face of facts, in the face of numbers you can't talk down, numbers that fly in the face of the arguments you want to make against Democrats in power, a bad thing, how are they going to handle the virus, blah, 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 blah. In the face of all that, all you have if you're Fox News and future Republican presidential candidate Tucker Carlson, well, Joe Biden said, hey, by the 4th of July, you might be able to have some backyard barbecues with your friends. Oh, that enraged Tuck. In my first full... Who are you talking to? This is a free people. This is a free country. How dare you tell us who we can spend the 4th of July with? How dare you? See? They want to control your lives. They're saying, you might be able to get together with your friend. Nobody tells us who we can get together with or wear masks or carry guns or tell people to abort their babies. Nobody tells us what to do. Tucker almost went like Hulk Hogan there. Can we get more Tucker on there? You'll get it. Who are you talking to? Mm. This is a free people. This is a free country. How dare you tell us who we can spend the 4th of July with? By the way, the same Tucker Carlson that on International Women's Day took the time on his show to go after women in the United States military. Keep riding that Tucker train, Fox News. Till the sponsors are gone, they're going to keep them on the airwaves. And then after Tucker, it was Sean Hannity. And Sean Hannity gave you the, well, Joe Biden's in cognitive decline. It's so obvious. Look at these clips from the last few weeks. We put together a mashup, and here's what he looks like. And, oh, he stumbled over that word, and he couldn't remember the the name on the spot of his Pentagon chief. And, oh, my God, Lloyd Austin. And, oh, my Lord, how... How's the country going to survive the next four years of Joe Biden? We're just going to talk about cognitive decline, cognitive decline, cognitive decline. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I was down there, and I watched our police and our firemen down in 7-Eleven, down at the World Trade Center, right after it came down. Look at what happened in the 1990s. Our embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, and this was a horrible period of time for us, were attacked. You know what uranium is, right? It's a thing called nuclear weapons and other things, like lots of... Things are done with uranium, including some bad things. Bad things. And I will tell you, I left Texas, and I left Florida, and I left Louisiana, and I went to Puerto Rico, and I met with the president of the Virgin Islands. The latest act of resistance is the op-ed published in the failing New York Times by an anonymous... Anonymous? Really, an anonymous... Anonymous. Gutless... Coward. Mm. The wall, the barrier, whatever you want to call it, it's okay with me. They can name it whatever they can name it. Peaches. A few weeks ago on January 23rd, Venezuela's National Assembly, they are risking their future. They are risking their lives 
and Venezuela's future. Venezuela. You've really uh, put a big investment in our country. We appreciate it very much, Tim Apple. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the, the oranges. Uh, uh, investigation, the beginnings. In June of 1775, the Continental Congress created a unified army out of the revolutionary forces encamped around Boston and New York and named after the great George Washington yeah. Commander-in-Chief. Our army manned the air, it ran the ramparts, it took over the airports, airports. it did everything it had to do. Airports. The kidney has a very special place in the heart. It's an incredible thing. In addition, up to 11,000 more Americans could receive heart, lung, and liver transplants annually. He was Trans awarded the Bronze Star and the Combat Infantryman Badge for his service. Open wounds cannot heal if we are divided. We must seek real bipartisan mm. solutions. Yeah. This is the very definition of totalitarianism. <laughs> When they gaze upon Yosemites, Yosemites, Yosemites. towering sequoias, their love wow. of country grows stronger, and they know that every American has truly a duty to preserve this wondrous inheritance. And to avoid liability, shifting production to Thailand <laughs> and to Vietnam. I know words, I have the best words. Yeah. I have the, but there's no better word than stupid. Yeah, you said it best. You said it best, Donald. There is no better word than stupid. Because we wouldn't mash up a Donald Trump, you know, gaff reel and put it on the air like they do about Joe Biden. We would never do such a thing. Oh, here's Hannity. It prevent defense, weaken at Bernie's, no risk, whatever you want to call it. That's the game they're playing. And, you know, at some point, you, 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 you can't hide forever. You're going to have to come out and answer the questions. By the way, this is Reince Priebus, the former chief of staff for Donald Trump. He was chief of staff for about 35 minutes. Kaylee, how accurate is Stephen Miller's... Oh, look, it's Kaylee Ann McEnany. If Donald Trump was the liar-in-chief, she was like the vice president of lying at the White House. Assessment to me that he would go in the president's office, the Oval mm. Office, the president would dictate a speech, he would go on and on, I want this, I want this, I want this, 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 this. Stephen Miller would go do his thing, and then in the process of writing it, Stephen Miller would get 10 calls to add this, this, and this, take that out, put this in. Isn't that how it went? That's exactly right. And then he'd get this speech and he had this infamous Sharpie and he would go line by line through the speech and make further edits there. But uh, you're right to say this was not something he had to practice 10 times on a teleprompter. Oftentimes he wouldn't even breeze through it once on a teleprompter after his edits. Yeah. Uh, he was not afraid of questions. We'd be shouting questions at him as he was approaching the briefing room and that would be the extent of his preparation because he was speaking from his heart. It was authenticity. It was yes. transparency. This the is the opposite authenticity. of what you're getting from the Biden this is the authenticity. I'm very highly educated. Yeah. I know words. I have the best words. Best words. <laughs> the best words. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. Five and a half years. He's a war hero because he was captured. Yeah. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I was That's what you get with off the cuff. Down there, and I watch our police and our yeah. firemen down on 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven, absolutely. I'll take the guy that prepares. 
I'll take the guy that practices the speech. I'll take the guy that actually reads the speech, reads the intelligence, reads the science, actually cares about the job. I'll take that guy. You could take Donald Trump. I'll take the guy that believes in science, believes in helping Americans, believes in leveling with Americans and being honest with Americans. Again, when the facts aren't on your side, you simply go on the airwaves and scream about everything but the facts. Oh, he's going to tell us what we, we can and cannot do on the 4th of July. I can't believe this. And you'll get it. Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? This is a free people. This free is a free people. country. How free, dare you yes. tell us who we can spend the 4th of July with? You know who he's talking to, Tucker? I'll tell you who he's talking to. He's talking to people that actually exercise common sense, wear masks, and know that having large gatherings over the last 12 months is probably not a good idea. As opposed to the 45% of America that listen to Trump, and many of them are dead. That's who he's talking to. That's who you think you're talking to. Can you imagine Tucker Carlson actually got votes in the CPAC straw vote? for who the nominee for president for the Republican Party should be in 2024. Think about that for a second. That guy you just saw, he actually got votes and polled as high as 3% if you took Trump out of the equation. Right on. Now, I want to address something else as it relates to Joe Biden. And it's this conversation that has surfaced amongst those in the White House press corps. And I should get Brian Karaman to talk about it. He covers the White House for uh, for Playboy. Um, he's actually a White House press correspondent for Playboy. And I've had him on various shows I've done. Uh, he's a good guy. And I should get him on because I'm fascinated if this is something that's pervasive throughout the entire White House press corps, or if it's just a few select people that are saying, well, Joe Biden hasn't had a press conference yet. Joe Biden hasn't taken questions from the media. First of all, he has at various events. He has not had, though, what you would term a standard press conference, something that every president usually has within the first 30 days. I think 33 days is the longest that a president has ever gone without having that first press conference. And it was George W. Bush, I believe. It was one of the Bush presidencies. And Biden hasn't done one yet, so everybody's freaking out. Oh, my God. He's not answering questions. I'm going to tell you what some of this is. I don't think you'd hear a single White House press reporter complaining about this. This would be a non-issue if he wasn't following Donald Trump. You know, it's the old... It's the old adage about don't be the guy to follow the guy, right? And I follow me on this here. When Howard Stern left terrestrial radio, David Lee Roth was the next guy that came in. David Lee Roth was the next host of, of uh, Howard Stern's time slot. And it was an epic disaster because you're following Howard Stern. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered who they put there. It was going to die. But David Lee Roth gave it his best shot, and it went miserably. And then I think it was like Adam Carolla or somebody like that that wound up taking the spot and and whatever. We know the history of it after that. You don't want to be the guy to follow the guy 
when it comes to personality-driven discussions, when it comes to being a radio host or a TV host. And Donald Trump was, for all intents and purposes, a TV reality show for the last four-plus years. And the result of that is Joe Biden coming in to what the White House press corps has now started to treat as a reality show. I mean, heck, there's a show on Showtime that was developed specifically for Donald Trump called The Circus. That is the result of the Donald Trump presidency. You wind up with a show called The Circus. So now the White House press corps treats the White House as if it is a reality show on Bravo hosted by Andy Cohen. And they expect the same fireworks and daily um, personality-driven politics that they were getting from Donald Trump, except that's not Joe Biden. It's never been Joe Biden. He is going back to the traditions and the norms that typically occupy the Oval Office. I don't care if he ever has a press conference as long as he gets shit done. As long as he turns the United States into a country that I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm from when I travel around the world. That I don't have to go, yeah, I'm from the U.S. Yeah, no, I didn't vote for Trump. No, no, I didn't, I didn't vote for him. I know people who did, but I didn't vote for him. I'm tired of having to have that conversation. And you know what? Every day that Joe Biden's in office, we get further away from the day that I have to answer those questions on the other side of the world. You don't see it. You don't see what it's like to be an American on the other side of the world. And every time you get together with your friends, it's something Trump said or something Trump did or some negative story about the United States. I saw it for the last three years. You didn't. Trapped in your bubbles. You didn't see it. But it's out there and it's real. The disdain for the United States over the last four years, that grew immeasurably. I love that every day of Joe Biden not holding a press conference and not turning the White House back into the circus it was for four years is a day closer to normalcy. Is it perfect? No. Was it perfect before Trump? No. Will it ever be perfect? No. But at least it could get back to a point of respectability. I'll take respectability. Respectability for 100, Alex. The United States is creeping closer to that every day. What Joe Biden has done in the first 49, 50 days that he's been in office is start to repair some of the damage done by this president. He's going to hold a press conference while they're hiding him. Really? Really? You, if they were hiding him, don't you think we'd hear about it somewhere? There are no secrets in Washington. The only people saying that they're hiding him are conservatives with no sources. There's no sources whatsoever to this idea that they're hiding Joe Biden. Kamala Harris is really the president. Jen Psaki does a press briefing every day. Did Kaylee McEnany do a press briefing every day? Where's Kaylee? 
Can we get her back up on the screen? Kaylee McEnany didn't do a press briefing every day. She came out once a week. She had a, a bunch of notes in her hand, pre-prepared answers for when the questions would come, and then if she didn't have an answer, she just lied and winged it. All the while with her crucifix dangling from her neck. I'm telling you, she's oh so honest. Every day of Joe Biden in this administration, we are one day further from the mess that was the Trump presidency. The absolute carnage. Remember the carnage speech he gave at his inauguration? Well, every day of the Biden presidency now, 50 days, we're a day further from the carnage that was the Trump presidency. I don't know what's going to happen for the next four years, roughly, of the rest of this Biden presidency. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I'm not saying it's going to have things I agree with. I've already talked on this show about things I disagree with. The handling of the Jamal Khashoggi murder at the hands of the Saudi crown prince. I'm the first one that's come out and said Biden should be excoriated for that, and he should. The fact that we are not taking action against Mohammed bin Salman. He should absolutely get grief for that. And I'm sure he'll do other things I disagree with over the next four years. But on Thursday, he signed legislation that will be historic, potentially. And in another six months, we'll have a firm understanding of whether or not it was successful or not. Will people be able to stand on their own two feet by the time we get to September and unemployment insurance runs out? Is it a sugar high? Or is it a much-needed jolt that gets the economy over the hill and starts to put everyday Americans in a position where they can not just survive but thrive? All right, that's the politics for today's show. We'll do some sports next. All right, we welcome you back. Up late with Jason Page. I am Jason. Thank you for being with us. This Thursday night slash Friday edition of the show. If um if you haven't done so yet, let me remind you while I have a moment. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Up Late with Jason Page podcast. If you can't watch the show, well, then listen. Uh, It's free. You can get the podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple, Audible, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it. Uh, The Up Late with Jason Page podcast, it is available on all platforms. It comes out every morning after we do the show at night. So if you are watching us on Thursday night or can't watch us on Thursday night, the podcast is available Friday morning. You can listen to it on your way to work. Get all the same get all the same sort of um, insights that you would have got, just audio instead of video. Also, we have the Intersection Podcast, which um, one of our most listened to episodes yet, 
This week, my conversation with New Orleans Pelicans head coach Stan Van Gundy. We talked basketball. We talked Zion Williamson. We talked about the lack of defense being played by the Pelicans that he's trying to improve upon. Uh, Can the team make the postseason? Why did he get back into coaching? But we also talked about his presence on social media, his active role in political conversations as well. Uh, Stan is not a... Um, a very narrow individual. He is a wide swath of things that interest him. Uh, The Intersection Podcast with me, Jason Page, courtesy of Believe, B-L-E-A-V, again, available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Go and subscribe. I appreciate it. Um, Speaking of sports, speaking of sports, um, I want to do a little bit. So... Myers Leonard learned his punishment. And this, again, um, this is probably one of the least shocking stories that we'll get from, uh, from, from Thursday. We were all waiting after earlier in the week, Myers Leonard was um, caught on a hot mic. I guess you could call it a hot mic. He was caught on Twitter earlier this week um, referring to... Somebody he was competing with on, I'm sorry, not Twitter, on Twitch. He was on Twitch playing Call of Duty uh, with some friends. And keep in mind, when NBA athletes or professional athletes play sports on Twitch, play video games on Twitch, they usually get large numbers of, of viewers. And during one of these games he was playing Call of Duty, he referred to one of his opponents uh, in an with an anti-Semitic term and... Then he immediately signed off, issued the the usual apology. I didn't know what the word meant. Rhymes with Mike, starts with a K. You can fill in the blank. And now he's learned his punishment from the NBA. Uh, Myers Leonard was fined $50,000 by the NBA and he has been suspended from all Miami Heat facilities and team activities for a week as a result of the words he uttered during that Twitch live stream. He's also going to participate in a cultural diversity program, according to the NBA. But what happens after that? Will the Heat release him? Will there be... Protests will, remember, this is South Florida. There's a large Jewish contingency in South Florida. So you can't help but wonder, is this it for Myers Leonard? Can he survive the sort of outrage that is going to be directed towards him from the Jewish community? Can he simply go to cultural diversity training or a program and be able to right the the wrong, so to speak. I thought it was very interesting. We didn't do a show yesterday, so I didn't get to talk about it, but you may have seen the story of Julian Edelman, the New England Patriots um, receiver, slot guy. Uh, Julian Edelman came out and said, hey, you know, I'd like you to come to a, you know, a Jewish holiday event with me. I Like, really extend his arms to try and and bring in Myers Leonard after what he did. And a lot of people weighed in on it and said, wow, that's a really noble gesture at a time where everybody's kicking Myers Leonard while he's down. 
And rightly so, by the way. He deserves every verbal kick he gets while he's down right now. What he said was reprehensible. He thought about it. And the filtered version of Myers Leonard came out with the words that he uttered in that Twitch live stream. That was the that was the filtered version because you could see him think for a, a whole second and then called this person in his stream the K-word that rhymes with Mike that is used as a derogatory term for Jewish people. So to me, you could put out your arms to embrace them all you want, as I said on whatever it was, Tuesday or Wednesday show. Somebody shows you who you, who they are, believe them. Like Maya Angelou always said, and I think it's the best way to go. And that goes for everybody. Can people, can people um, learn and grow from things? I, I had this conversation with somebody who works in the NBA, closely in the NBA, the other day. And they said, I said, well, what about LeBron James? He did the whole no homo comment back in 2010 that we've heard plenty of other athletes do. Roy Hibbert did it in 2013. Nikola Jokic uh, did it in 2018, which is obviously something that's derogatory towards gay people. Well, I mean, if we're going to get into the habit of, of talking about when somebody shows you who they are, believe them, well, then what does that say about LeBron James that he did that? And this person said, well, LeBron has shown that he's grown from that experience. You haven't heard him ever say anything like that since. He's matured and developed is the argument of this person. And I'm not 100% sure I buy into the idea that this shows LeBron is completely tolerant and understanding of the LGBTQ plight, so to speak. But I do understand where this person that I spoke with was was coming from. But here's the thing. Will Myers Leonard even get a chance to be a reclamation project? He's not an old guy. He's not a, you know, he's not in the NBA sense. He's not a, a really old player. Yeah, he was a lottery pick in 2012. He's been in the league nine years. So he's still probably, what, 30? Seven-footer, has range, has never put up monster numbers. And that's the problem for Myers Leonard. Roy Hibbert, at the time he made his comment in 2013, was still a stud with the Indiana Pacers. Nikola Jokic is one of the best players in all of the NBA. You're not going to cast him away. LeBron James was LeBron James. But... Myers Leonard is going to be a much more interesting study in that he's a bit guy. There's a lot of Myers Leonard going around in the league. You can go to the G League and probably find the next Myers Leonard. We're not talking about somebody who's a game changer on either end of the floor. And that's bad news for Myers Leonard because it makes him very disposable. I had this conversation with Stan Van Gundy the other day. One of the things I respect about Stan Van Gundy, and he kind of downplayed it, Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich can, you know, get all heated about politics and social justice and all these things. They've got eight championships between the two of them as coaches. 
I'm not even talking about what Kerr has as a player. I'm just talking about it as a coach. They have eight titles between them. As I said to Stan Van Gundy, Greg Popovich could get up into the microphone at a post-game press conference and fart into it, and he's not getting fined or suspended by anybody. Steve Kerr could get up at the next press conference and burp the alphabet a la Booger in Revenge of the Nerds, and he's not getting fined or suspended. He's Steve Kerr. He's not going to get fired. He's not going to nothing because he's Steve Kerr. He's won three titles, has cachet. What I respect about Stan Van Gundy is the fact that Stan doesn't have any titles. He's on his fourth team as a head coach. And yet he's still willing to put himself out there, even if the organization he's working for in New Orleans, the Pelicans, probably isn't crazy about it, probably would prefer he not do it. Stan took this job and said, I'm still going to be me. How do you not respect that? Whether you agree or disagree with Stan Van Gundy politically or not, I don't care. I don't care if you agree or disagree with his political stance. But I'll always respect somebody who has something they're putting at risk by speaking their mind. And I get it. Stan's made a lot of money in his career. He's not, If he got fired tomorrow, he's going to be well off. I get it. But you're still putting your professional livelihood at risk whenever you're willing to speak out on certain things. But if you're Myers Leonard and you make this kind of mistake... You're so disposable. You've played three games this year. There was talk the Jazz might trade for him. That's probably dead in the water now, although it is Utah and Salt Lake City. Not exactly the bastion of diversity. Sorry. It's true. I can back it up. Don't make me do it. But very interesting to see what happens. If if you know, does, in a week does Myers Leonard have a team to return to, or is this the end of his days in the NBA? Does he get the Scarlet K, so to speak? Does he get that stapled to his chest? Mm. I'm Jason Page. This is up late. Um, Mike Tyson, Jake Paul. And Dana White. Oh, and Snoop Dogg. They're all in the news. I'll explain why. Next. Okay, we welcome you back. Up late with Jason Page, this Thursday slash Friday edition of the show. I appreciate you being a part of it. Again, if you cannot watch us live, not everybody can stay up late. Pun intended. Uh, I invite you to subscribe to the Up Late with Jason Page podcast. We're on every single platform that you can imagine. It's great. And the Intersection podcast as well. Go and check that out. Okay. A um, couple things I want to fish with. Quick quickies before we go. Um, first, there was Jake Paul getting in the ring. Remember that Mike Tyson, Roy Jones fight? Battle of the Guys in Their 50s, uh, which was far more entertaining, I think, than, than people thought it would be. Well, on that card, Jake Paul, the former YouTube star, uh, Jake Paul fought Nate Robinson, and he knocked him out in stunning fashion. Um, a lot of people were really worried about, like, 
Nate Robinson's physical health. I haven't even seen anything from Nate Robinson since then. Uh, he's kind of gone into hiding, I think. But then again, maybe it's just that I haven't seen um, anything from him. So Jake Paul is now 2-0 and in his fighting career, his boxing career. And he's got another fight coming up um, that is garnering some attention. Jake, uh, Jake Paul is going to fight Ben Askren, who's a former MMA star, guy who's been a champion in certain MMA circles. Not, not in UFC, I think, but somebody who is a legit professional fighter. Not a boxer, but a fighter. So Jake Paul is going to fight Ben Askren. Now, how does Mike Tyson fit into all this? Mike Tyson has a podcast called Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. And the UFC um, talked about the fight, um, or I should say Mike Tyson talked about the fight with former boxing champion Zab Judah, who has actually visited with Jake Paul during his past training camp. So Zab Judah has a little insight on what kind of a boxer Jake Paul has turned himself into. Um, Dana White was a guest of hot boxing with Mike Tyson and Zab Judah. And Dana White made it clear he was not taking um, Jake Paul very seriously when it comes to being a boxer. Take a listen. What is all, it, right, all right, all right. Five people sent me this in like the past five seconds. Let's be honest. Jake Paul isn't a fucking boxer. Dana, Dana, he's a great fighter. He be working hard. I watch him. Let's I go, watch Mike, him. Mike, I see him. I see them put him together. It's going to be an interesting test yeah, for but him. It's different. You're saying he can fight? Yes. I'm not joking. He All got right. hands. I'll bet a million dollars. Oh, here we that go. That he loses this fucking oh. fight. Did you hear that? Dana White said he would bet one million dollars of his own money that Jake Paul could not beat Ben Askren. And what you're hearing in the background of that video is Jake Paul reacting to watching that video. Watch further. Oh, you care about right. me. Oh! oh, 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 oh. Let's fucking go! That shit, baby, go crazy! double it up! So Jake Paul says, Dana White, Jake Paul says to Dana White, put up $2 million. What's scary is that Jake Paul even has $2 million, but that's another matter entirely. I mean, talk about being famous for being famous. But Jake Paul is saying he's so confident he's going to beat Ben Askren. And I, I listen, think what you want of Jake Paul. I will always respect a man that's willing to put up his own money and bet on himself. We see it sometimes with professional athletes in a free agent contract year, instead of signing a contract, playing it out and going to free agency. One of the most famous ones I ever think of is Joe Flacco. Played out the contract, won a Super Bowl that year, got rich. Never won anything after that, but hey, he got rich. So I think of guys who are willing to bet on themselves. Guys that are willing to put it all on the line. Listen, think what you want to Jake Paul. He's willing to take $2 million of his own money and put it up against Dana White. Who did $2 million, by the way, to Dana White? That's chump change. 
I mean, let's add. I'm, I'm, hey, Google, how much is Dana White worth? Let's see if Google answers. White? <laughs> Dana White's estimated net worth, according to Google, $500 million. We should put a microphone over our uh, over the Google and, and just let it sort of be the producer that I could ask questions to. I like that. It's a good idea. We may have to do that. So according to Google, Dana White's worth $500 million. So think about what percentage of his wealth $2 million is. I mean, he could put that on the company credit card. But it gets better. Not only was Jake Paul willing to put up his own money, now Snoop Dogg has gotten in on the act. Watch for yourself. Hey, Dana White. I see you, uh, you got faith in your boy, right? Going up against my guy, Jake. You say you got a million? You're the CEO of UFC, man. You got more than a million. Put up two. Put up two million and we'll match you. Yeah, I said it. We'll match you. Two million. Come on, Dana, what you waiting on? Your money good. Yeah, I got Jake. Fight night. That's my guy. That's my dog in the fight. Two million. Holla at me. Dana White. That is game on. Sign me up. I mean, look, and all this is doing is driving up the interest in a fight that probably nobody would have really cared about otherwise other than that niche sort of pseudo-celebrity fighting crowd, the curiosity seeker. Now you start talking about Dana White putting up $2 million, Snoop Dogg putting up $2 million, Jake Paul putting up $2 million. If I had $2 million, I think I'd put it in at this point just because the action seems like it's so much fun. And I got news for you. After what I watched Jake Paul do to Nate Robinson, again, who knows if he's an actual legit fighter, if he's, if he's actually got any sort of boxing chops beyond, you know, this, this fight he's got coming up with Ben Askren. I mean, who knows? Maybe the guy's a natural, though. I was impressed with what I saw against Nate Robinson, but again, it's Nate Robinson. Most famous for, you know, being a slam dunk champion and being able to jump out of the gym. That doesn't make you a boxer. So we'll keep an eye on it. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, one last thing before we go. I have a question to ask, and I'm going to pose it in a in a poll question. Um, over on Cited. Cited.co. They have great debates. Cited debates, I think, is is what it's called. But I'm curious, if you live in the state of Texas, now the state of Texas has said, we're going to, and the Texas Rangers have said, we are going to open up our 40,000-seat stadium to everybody. Opening day for the Texas Rangers, I'm not sure what day it is, but they are opening it up to everybody. You'll be able to go and sit wherever you want, 40,000 people packed in to that a gorgeous new ballpark that only saw fans last year during the postseason and then in the World Series as a result of COVID-19. So sort of their their home opening season, their grand opening season was ruined because of COVID. Well, they're not going to let that happen this time around. I am fascinated to see 
if they even could sell it out. Are people going to feel that confident, that sure of themselves, when you look at over 520,000 people dead, gone, not coming back? Will that new ballpark in Arlington be sold out for the opening game of the season? Forget whether the Rangers are good or not. Everybody's just going to want to say they were at the first game, Texas Rangers game, where fans were able to come. So I know there'll be some people that'll show up, but are they going to sell out that building for the very first regular season game? I'm not going. If I Not that I'm going to be there. I'm saying if I'm in Texas, I just can't do it. I don't know how you do it. If you, if you step back, take the emotion out of it, wow, I could be at the first. If you take all that away, is it worth putting your wife at risk, your husband at risk, your kids at risk, your grandmother, your grandfather, your aunts and uncles and everybody? Is it re- your coworkers? Is it really worth it? Just because you want to go to a baseball game? In a couple of months, you'll be able to go to any baseball game you want. I mean, we're a couple of months away in the United States from everybody being able to get a vaccine. People are going to put themselves at risk to say they were at, you know, the first game or the second game of the Ranger season. I just, I hope I'm right. I hope, I hope my faith in sensibility is rewarded here and that people aren't going to show up at the first Texas Rangers game and sell out the place. People all on top of each other, concession stands, the bathrooms. (laughs) I get creeped out about the whole bathroom thing. But imagine what that's going to be like. 40,000 people packed in on top of each other in a baseball stadium, yelling for their favorite players, screaming for their favorite players cheering for their favorite players. Mm-mm. Nope. You could give me opening day tickets to the Yankees and say I could sit right behind the dugout. I ain't going. Nope. Not going to do it. That's going to wrap it up for a Thursday night slash Friday edition of Up Late with Jason Page. Thanks for being a part of it. Thanks to Newsweek um, for the Donald Trump gaffe reel. I want to give them credit because we used that video. Thanks to you for watching and listening if you're listening to the podcast. We got one more show left to do this week. Think we can get through it? Can't believe we're through another week. Stay safe, mask up, stay grounded. We'll be back with you on Friday night. One more time this week for Up Late. The Intersection Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to that. The Up Late with Jason Page Podcast. Subscribe to that. I'll catch you later. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.